Hey friends, I wanted to share with you today um, about Faith's life. Those of you who are new, um, maybe you don't know, but I think a lot of you do because I think that's why many of you have um, started following me recently, is because you saw the beautiful slideshow honoring and commemorating my daughter's life. And I realized as I was reading some comments that um, the slideshow doesn't give a lot of information about who Faith was and the fight that she fought. And so today I'm going to share with you guys um, what the last year has been like, uh, what the journey that I and my family have walked um, as we um, fought for Faith's life. And so I'm just going to dive into it and share with you um, from my heart. I don't really have any notes. I'm just kind of winging it here. Um, but I really felt like, especially after seeing some comments, that it'd be really good and, and, and it's kind of important to really share what happened and, and what, alt what, yeah, what happened. So um, additionally, uh, <laughs> it, it, the journey started about a year ago. Um, roughly, uh, when I got pregnant. Um, I, about a year ago is when I found out I was pregnant with Faith. Um, and I was so excited. At the time, I didn't know it was a girl. I didn't know her name was Faith. But I was really excited to be expecting, again, I love babies. I have two living children. Um, Faith has two older siblings, a, a brother and a sister. And I was so excited. Um, it was an interesting season because we were in the process of trying to buy a house, which ultimately ended up falling through. We didn't end up uh, purchasing it, um, but we were trying to do that. So it was very busy. And so right as I'm in the middle of doing all of these things um, try and trying to buy a house and uh, working as well as caring for my two children oh, who I've already had, found out I'm pregnant and have first trimester morning sickness, all the things. Um, one of the things that was super interesting was there there was, from the get-go, such an interesting, surreal feeling about this pregnancy with Faith. It, there was just this out-of-body experience. Like, it almost didn't feel real. Um, like, I had the positive test. It was a very clearly positive test. I knew I was pregnant. Um, I had all the symptoms. But at the same time, it almost didn't feel real. And um, it was just interesting. And I remember struggling with that a little bit, going like, why does this feel so different? This, the, the pregnancy from the get-go felt different than my previous pregnancies, including um, my previous miscarriages. I'd, I've had five miscarriages. I had three miscarriages before giving birth to my daughter, um, my oldest living child. Um, I had, and then I had, no, I had four miscarriages before giving birth to her. And then I had another miscarriage um, in December of 2021, right before, uh, literally like two months before I had conceived Faith. Um, and so, and those pregnancies were, those were all early term um, miscarriages that occurred prior to the eight week mark. Um, but, and those pregnancies felt, there was things that felt different that kind of, made almost having the miscarriage is not super surprising but this didn't feel like I'm like the miscarriages felt this didn't feel like the pregnancies with my my um, living daughter and, and son felt it just felt different it's it's very hard to explain um in retrospect I kind of feel like it was almost like the Lord 
starting to prepare my heart to know to, to walk through what we're work, walking through now and having her not be on this earth so found out we were really excited walking through this season the first trimester went relatively smoothly everything seemed normal i was healthy fine great started planning for um our birth hired a midwife and we're really excited um to uh, find a midwife that i really really felt connected to um and then we went in for our routine 20 week ultrasound and that's really when things started happening actually let me let me um back up around eight weeks when i was about eight weeks pregnant um i always i'm I always pray for my babies and, and if, as I'm pregnant, especially just really seek the Lord for what to be praying for these babies. Every, every, per, every child is different. They have different personalities, different bents, different things about them that make them special and unique and fun and wonderful. They're made uniquely in the image of God. And so, um, at the beginning, so when I'm pregnant, one of the things I pray for, I mean, I always pray for my children, period, but when I'm pregnant, one of the things that I really pray for for my children while they're in utero is seeking the Lord to find out, like, what do I pray for this baby? And at around eight weeks, I felt this impression in my heart as I was praying for my child. I, I had a sense that she was probably a girl. I, I just kind of felt like she was a girl. And I also one day in my quiet time with the Lord, I just felt the name faith impressed upon. It just, that's just what I kept hearing is faith. And I was like, okay, Lord, is this her name? Because this is something I'll probably share some, maybe I'll share this some other time, but both of my older children um, were named by the Lord. I mean, all of my, so far all of my children have been named by the Lord. Um, I didn't pick their names. They were given to me by the Holy Spirit. And so those are stories for another time for my other children. But that same thing happened like with my, my oldest um, living daughter, my son and my son around eight weeks approximately is kind of around when I got, I was given names for them. Same thing happened with faith is around eight weeks. I felt this, this name implanted in my spirit faith. And I was like, okay, that's a pretty name. I mean, it's, I love it. It kind of goes along with what we are preferring with our children's names and um it's a beautiful name uh, happened to be a family name on both sides of our family both my husband and i have you know it's a family name and so we i was like yeah okay that <laughs> sounds good i kind of thought it was maybe going to be a middle name so you know i shared with my husband like hey Lord, hey i kind of feel like faith needs to be a component of this child's name and my husband was like cool <laughs> um but anyway, so I, that was in my spirit, but I kind of thought it was a middle name. So I, I'd spent several weeks, you know, between, um, eight weeks and 20 weeks, spent a lot of time kind of thinking about like, what, what should the first name be? There were a couple that came into mind and that I was thinking about that I liked, but none of them really fit really. I just wasn't sure. So come to the 20 week ultrasound routine ultrasound. We think as we head into the clinic and you know, we get there, typical, those of you who've um, either been pregnant or um, had children, you know, maybe your father, maybe your mom, whatever, um, you kind of know how it goes if you've been there. <laughs> but like, you know, you have the goop put on your belly and the tech goes in and starts scanning. And um, 
she was super friendly and super chatty and she was asking us questions and we were talking and laughing and having a great interaction as we were you know looking at pictures of you know watching our baby on the screen we were able to see my husband came with me to this appointment and then all of a sudden i noticed she got kind of quiet and you know she was still kind of talking but it was definitely i could tell like there was a shift in the energy that she was just she was quiet quieter less less um chatty less light it was a heavier shift of energy and i was like huh okay that's interesting and she you know quickly finished up the scan like quickly and then left and i turned to my husband and i was like i think she saw something there's something and he's, he's like what like what she was i was like no did you notice that she got real quiet like she got really quiet and he was like, oh, yeah, I thought it was just maybe she was busy. I was like, no, I think something. I think she saw something. I think there's something going on. And he was like, okay. He didn't really believe me. <laughs> um, and the doctor comes in. And he kind of starts going over the, like, things that look good. Then he kind of gets to the, hey, there's actually something serious, though. And he told us that they saw a diaphragmatic hernia. Um, so the, the condition that Faith had um, was a congenital diaphragmatic hernia. Basically what that means um, is that um, in like layman's terms, <laughs> um, her diaphragm doesn't close all the way. So the diaphragm is, um, you know, some basic biology, right? The diaphragm is the muscle between the chest cavity and the abdominal cavity. And it's kind of like a little wall. Um, it's, it's, important to help with breathing um but it also is a little wall that keeps the organs in the right spots so in your chest cavity kind of protected by your ribs um should be your heart and your lungs and that's it those are the only organs that should be up there below your chest cavity is your abdominal cavity and is and it's and separated from your chest cavity um by the diaphragm in the abdominal cavity that's where you have your stomach your intestines your spleen your liver your kidneys all of your digestive organs um and and your reproductive organs so she had a hole in her diaphragm that's basically what happened there was a there was a hole in the diaphragm and ultrasound it, it, you can't tell how big it is they didn't know he kind of the doctor said you know it her stomach is definitely up there we for sure can see her stomach we can't really tell beyond that, like what's lung tissue and what's intestines and what's going on. But this is very, this is a serious um, issue that can inhibit her development. And I mean, it is life, it can be life threatening. It definitely is life threatening if it's not dealt with property, properly. Um, but he also gave us a lot of hope. It was kind of like, he's all, you know, it, it doesn't, it kind of looks like in the midline severity, you know, it's one of those where it's like, if it's not dealt with, it could be life-threatening, but if it's dealt with, then, it, you know, most kids make a full recovery. So that's kind of the vibe we got. <laughs> um, obviously that was hard news. Um, not news that you want to hear <laughs> when you're in an ultrasound. You don't want to hear that your child has something wrong with them. Um, so we went home and you know he basically the doctor said that he was referring us to ucla 
uh, we live in California and UCLA is the closest hospital to our home that allows us that that is equipped to handle this and UCLA is quite it's a distance away from us it's a several hour drive from where we live but it, it was the it's the closest place that is equipped to handle this type of a um, birth defect so we were referred to UCLA for a scan um, and they so I went there um, so and they scanned and said that you know they saw the same thing they confirmed the diagnosis and the initial scan, the initial appointment we had, they definitely had a pretty bleak um, outlook. They, they, they did say that they didn't think that she would make it. However, um, I decided I really believe that life is life and life is important and that a baby is a life. Um, I was, it was recommended to me to, that, you know, she was, that, to, to abort. <laughs> that was that was the recommendation or the suggestion of the UCLA doctor. But that is something that I would never do. Ever. I and that's a very strong conviction that I have, I believe, is abortion is wrong. And then there's no condemnation if that's something that you've chosen. Um there's but it is wrong, it's murder. Um and so I was like, no, I'm not like I'm gonna give her every chance of life that I can like if I'm gonna keep this baby I'm keeping this baby <laughs> and I'm going to fight for her life um, and I did and I went through all the scans I did all the things I was supposed to do I took care of myself as best as you know did everything I could <laughs> to stay healthy and um, everything looked great and as she grew things looked better from what we could see from the scans. We started being able to see some lung tissue in some areas. Her, she was a good size. She was growing. She was, she was very active and moving. Um, oh, and then one thing, backtrack again a minute, sorry. <laughs> um, her, when at that first scan, when we found out that she had that, the hernia, um, I knew immediately, I was like, oh, her first name's Faith her first it's it's her first name um because faith is what's going to have to get us through this regardless of the outcome and so we plotted on and i you know went through there were so many things that happened over the course of this pregnancy not you know every two weeks i was having scans for a lot of it and then towards the end it was every week i was being seen by someone whether it was my midwife or a, or a doctor in ucla or a doctor up here there's just all the things that we were doing and so that went very quickly at the same time we also moved um we had been living in a apartment two-bedroom apartment upstairs no yard tiny little place wonderful place we loved living there for seven years but was no longer conducive to our growing family with two very active toddlers and a third one on the way um so we ended up renting a house um the purchase of a house the house that we were trying to do when i was when i got pregnant fell through we weren't able to purchase but we ended up being able to rent a different house which actually ended up being so much better um and so we moved <laughs> when i was seven months pregnant almost eight months pregnant um 
that was in September because she Faith was due uh, born in November. So literally, we moved at the end of September. I was in my in my new rental house for a month and then had Faith. And so it was a very fast season, and it just was filled with a lot of a lot of prayer and a lot of prayerful, just taking the next step and having to really learn how to be in the moment. Um, I couldn't plan ahead. There was there was no planning ahead, really, um, because everything really depended on week to week. How was Faith doing? Was she still growing? Was she still healthy? as far as we could tell, besides the hernia. There were no other health issues that we were able to identify besides the hernia, which obviously is a big issue, but while in utero, it doesn't really matter a whole lot because she gets her oxygen from me. Um, It was once she was born that that was gonna be a concern. So while she was in me, um, she was fine. (laughs) Um, And so just this week to week, is she still growing? Is she still functioning well is her brain growing are her limbs growing and does she is she still is everything else doing what it's supposed to do besides that diaphragmatic hernia and so each appointment it was yes 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 and so we get to the point where my due date 40 weeks is november 17th but the the doctors at ucla were um concerned about letting her go that long in utero and wanted her to be born at 39 weeks. So we scheduled an induction for 39 weeks. Um, and so we, so that's what we did. We, well, we scheduled the induction <laughs> and then had an appointment a couple weeks, um, several days before. So the induction was scheduled for the ninth. Um, but we had an appointment on the fourth to go in for the final kind of scan to make sure she was okay and, and kind of solidify the plan. And then the plan was do that and then come back down a few weeks later or a few days later to go have the induction. Um, all this time, mind you, again, I'm unpacking, I'm settling into this house, I'm getting ready for this baby to come, I'm taking care of my um, two older children, and I'm also working. I'm, I'm a, I have a couple things that I do. I'm an online writing teacher, I also am a life coach and a writer. And so I'm actively engaged in all the things that I'm doing besides being you know, a homemaker and caring for my children in my home. So, um, my maternity leave from my like scheduled commitments, like teaching and coaching was scheduled to start on the third of November. And so, um, that day comes around, it was a Thursday and it comes around and we, um, I teach my final class and it was the craziest thing. So I, all day Thursday, I was getting ready because the one thing that they had told me was when I go down on the 4th to UCLA for the ultrasound to scan and see if Faith was okay, see how she was doing, was to pack and be prepared to possibly have to stay down there until she was born if in case she wasn't doing well. And so um, I'm packing everything to prepare as if I'm going to stay down there as if I was going to give birth that <laughs> pretty much like I'm making sure that I have my birth kit or my, my hospital bag I'm making sure that I have a diaper bag for her for you know whenever I get to bring her home I'm making sure that I have clothes for my husband and clothes for myself for staying down there for a while and all the things and so I'm doing that on Thursday getting everything kind of ready and then go back and teach my classes and then I as soon as the class is over it was so it was so interesting 
and the people who are familiar with the physiology of birth and the hormones involved, you probably like know exactly how this went down. Like I can explain it, but it like, <laughs> it was so crazy. Literally I ended my class and I took a deep breath and I literally could feel like the oxytocin relaxing, like, and relax and like flood me. It was like, the craziest thing it was just, it was like it was that feeling of like you know when you like take a really deep breath and like you just sigh and like just release it was just this like total like relaxation peace calm like okay i'm done like i'm done with all of my commitments time you know baby can come whenever she wants and it just kind of flooded me and i was and i went out and you know cuddled my older kids and finished tidying up, made dinner, put my kids to bed. Um, my husband was working late that night. He gets home. We have some dinner together. We chat. Um, and then we start getting ready for bed. And again, my husband was working late and we were going to have to, we were going to be going down the next day to LA. So we're like staying up, filling, finishing the last little things. And so it's about 1am finally when my husband's when we're both get done getting ready for bed we get in bed lay down literally my husband turns off the light and i felt my water break in bed i'm like i'm laying there and my water broke and i'm like i sat there and i was like i think my water broke so i go to the bathroom and check my water broke and so we headed down to the hospital <laughs> in la which is again several hours away so we we you know kind of put every we kind of did the mad scramble get everything ready and head down and headed to the hospital got booked in once my water broke my body kind of decided to like chill like there were like it was not contracting i didn't go into active labor which is interesting so when we get to the hospital they recommended that i augment with pitocin so that we can get things going so we did um and we just let that happen. And so finally later that evening, it finally kicked in. It took a very long time for it to kick in. When it finally did kick in, um, it was pretty quick. <laughs> it kicked in it, and she basically fell out. She really like, she just kind of, I didn't even have to push her out. She literally just like came out with a contraction that I didn't actually do anything, um, which was kind of crazy. Um, and she immediately got taken to the NICU. Um, I got to touch her for two seconds while she was, her, the cord was getting cut. They like, she came out, put her on my belly for two seconds when I was able to touch her. And then they immediately took her and, you know, cut the cord and took her. And so, um, and then she was in the NICU and she um, was really struggling. Um, she was not able to breathe on her own at all. And so they had to hook her up to an ECMO machine, which is basically an external heart lung machine where, um, all of her blood got was, was through a tube taken out of her body and through the machine where it, where it took out the carbon dioxide, oxygenated it, added oxygen and put it back in and cleaned it and put it back in. And so she was on that ECMO machine within 12, within 12 hours of birth. Um, and then it was really a waiting game. It was a long, a long month. We, we were down there for a month. Um, I'm not going to go into every single little detail of what happened of the day to day, because there was so much every single day, day to day. And if that's something that you're 
interested in looking at, um, I have, I, while we were down there live, I was like live sharing, posting every day on social media. Um, so if you go to my Instagram, which is at Amanda Cased out, um, or if you go to my Facebook, um, which is facebook.com slash a cased out, um, you'll see, you can see those, go back and see those, um, on my blog, the simply joyful life.com. Um, or you can go to amandacastout.com and go to the blog. Either one will take you there. Um, I also have posts where I took all the content I posted on the day to day and I put it in a blog post form so that it's easy to go back and look at. Um, because trying to recount all those blow by blows right now is not, is going to take way too long. Um, but it was a long, it was, it was, it was hard. Obviously it was very hard. You know, I'm, you know, just had a baby. I haven't even really been able to, I couldn't hold her cause she was attached to all these machines that were keeping her alive. And it was, it was really challenging. And I'm several hours away from my other children. My mom took care of them while my husband and I were down in LA with faith. And so, um, we were down there for 26 days. Um, and every day, you know, for the first couple weeks, it really seemed like she, every day she was really kind of improving and it really seemed like she was going to make it. And it was, you know, there was improvement and improvement, improvement. And then it was slow, but it was every day there was, you know, steps forward in the direction of, of healing and, and growth and, um, overcoming. But, um, then around Thanksgiving, well, let me backtrack. When she had her surgery, um, within 48 hours of being born, she was born on a Saturday. On Monday, she had the surgery, a repair surgery, which is where they go. They went in and they pulled all the organs down out of the chest cavity and put them back into the abdominal cavity and then closed up the hole in her diaphragm. And what they discovered when that happened was that there was a lot more up there than they thought initially. Um, she had all of her intestine, all of her stomach, um, I think it was her large and small intestine were both up there. Her stomach was up there and her spleen was up in her chest. And so she had very little lung tissue and, um, and all those organs were all up there compressing what little lung tissue there was. So it wasn't not able to adequately develop. And there were two holes in her diaphragm, which is part of why so much was up there. And so they pulled all that down. They were did the repair surgery. Um, but again, it, it seemed like she was gonna be okay. And for the first several weeks, she seemed to be making improvement. It was slow, but it was happening. Um, and then on Thanksgiving, they did what they called a clamp trial, which is where they um, kind of like uh, clamped the ECMO machine to kind of, so to see if her body could handle oxygenating her blood on her own. And she almost passed, like it was so close, but there was just, she wasn't doing very well and and it just she still needed a lot of support and and not enough support uh, they didn't you know she was having to use like the maximum amount of support to function and her numbers were dropping is what the doctor said meaning that like it, she just wasn't handling it um and so we kept her on the ecmo and literally that night we went home and that night, or not home, but we went to the, the house we were staying at overnight. She just totally declined. Her lungs filled back up. Her lungs had been opening and, and being aerated and she was starting to be able to breathe at least a little bit on her own. And uh, 
her lungs completely collapsed, filled, completely filled back up with liquid blood. <laughs> um, and totally just nosedived. And that was Thanksgiving. Um, and so we, that was when we kind of, that's when I started to realize that I mean, before then, when, when, as the progress was starting to kind of get, be, be kind of slow, when it started hitting, like she'd been on ECMO for three weeks, that started to kind of, the doctors were starting to be concerned, which, and which, you know, meant, I, I start made me start thinking like, oh, maybe she's not going to make it. When she nosedived like that, um, on Thanksgiving evening, night, overnight, and I came in the next day and she was doing so poorly, that's when I kind of started realizing that maybe she's not gonna make it maybe it may be that her healing isn't gonna be here and so we had to walk through that my husband and I both together and day by day make that decision and the next day that Saturday after Thanksgiving meeting with the doctors and the doctors pretty much telling us like what needs to like pretty much told us that they're still doing everything they can. They're not giving up yet, but they, the, the outlook was pretty bleak. And so we, they were willing to make some exceptions for us to let our children come meet her, which was such a blessing, knowing, letting our children meet her, especially, you know, my, my son at the time was only about 18 months, so he didn't really get it. I mean, he was able to see her and kind of like see, oh baby, but he kind of didn't understand what was going on, obviously. Um, my daughter, however, is almost, was, you know, three and a half, and she knew what was going on. She knew, like, she knew that about the baby, she was so excited, and she, like, so knowing that she got to be able to see her sister and, and meet her and touch her and, um, you know, kiss her little forehead was really important and has been so important and been so helpful even, know, you know, afterwards, now as we're walking through the grieving process, um, being able to talk to my daughter and have her understand help her understand what happened to her sister and her knowing and having that concrete like I did get to meet her having that comfort so we did that and but it really kind of came it came to that corner where we had been telling her and encouraging her to fight and telling people like look like you can do this like tell your lungs to open tell your tell your body to, to do what it needs to do to, to heal and you know really been encouraging her but then we hit the point where we realized we need to just let her, we need to now tell her that if she doesn't want to do that anymore, she doesn't have to, that it's okay if she's, if she's too tired, if she's done, if she wants to stop fighting, that it's okay, that we'll let her, we'll let her stop fighting, we'll let her go if she wants to. And that was that was the hardest that was really hard I mean obviously her dying was the hardest but that was really hard getting to that point to know and to be able to tell her and let her choose and say like of course I'm gonna fight for you I'm gonna fight for you for as long as you want me to but if you're done if you're ready to stop fighting and go rest and be with Jesus that's okay we'll be okay you can go and we told her that we had that conversation with her because I really believe that kids know, you know, I mean, obviously their brains are still developing and there's all that, but 
Kids can hear the Holy Spirit just as much as we can. They know that God's there. They can, and I think that there's a, se a sensitivity to God and the Spirit that, that, you know, we're actually called in the Bible to be like them in our sensitivity to the Holy Spirit and to the Lord. And so talking to her and letting her and telling her like, you know, she can communicate things she likes and dislikes and what she wants to do. And she did. And she showed us that she was tired and that she was done fighting and her body just started really giving out. Um, cause one of the things with ECMO machines, they're wonderful in the sense that they really can save lives. But if one is on them for too long, it starts actually causing a whole slew of complications and side effects that actually end up being killing kids can, can end up killing you. And that's part of what ended up happening is because Faith was on the ECMO machine for so long. Um, it started breaking her blood and causing liver damage and kidney damage and damage to all her other organs. And so her body started shutting down. And so on, so we had several days between in the fo week following Thanksgiving, Sunday, my children, Sunday after Thanksgiving, my other children came to meet her. That Monday was the day, and then Monday, the next day was the day that my husband and I talked to her and told her that it was okay if she was ready to go home, if she was ready to stop fighting and she wanted to go be with Jesus that so she could, and that we would do whatever she wanted. And then Tuesday and Wednesday, it was that having that, continuing to have that conversation with her and, and listen to her and care for her and love on her and just watch and see what is she wanting to do? Because it kind of seemed, you know, one day, Tuesday, it seemed like she was maybe fighting and wanted to, to, you know, there was still hope. There was still hope. And that maybe she'll be healed this side of heaven. <laughs> and um, then Wednesday, Wednesday night, it really kind of hit the point where it's like, okay, her lungs are opening a little bit. This is kind of our last shot, according to the doctors. The doctors kind of felt like this was our last shot. And so they scheduled for Thursday morning to do one more clamp trial to just see like how does she handle it do we feel like maybe she'll be able to to function off of it and so they did and the minute that they turned off the machine her heart rate dropped down so low so low. like she almost like she was only able to they were only able to clamp the machine for like a minute she was not able to stay on off of it like at all she wasn't able to do anything on her own and that then the night before on Wednesday night my husband and I had talked and prayed about it and we knew we were like okay like Lord this is like we're we're surrendered and submitted to what's going to be best for her you know what's going to be best for faith so you show us, Lord, that like when we do this clamp trial, if she passes, obviously we're gonna keep fighting. But Lord, if if it's show us that if it's time to unplug the machines and let her come be, let her go be with you, show us. And we both felt really clearly that the fact that she wasn't able to be off the machines um, was a pretty good indication because the machine is. It was kind of one of those either a, a long, if she, we could have kept, we could keep her on the machines and definitely until her body completely gave out and it would be a long, drawn out, slow, painful thing. Or 
we could turn off the machines and let it be fast and be in my arms so that she would so that she would be in my arms peacefully being held and loved on while she went to be with the Lord and so that's what we did that's what we decided to do we knew because we really felt like it would be much more it was better it was the best thing for her to let her be held and loved while she goes instead of hooked up to a machine until her body just gives out and can't even handle the machine and so we did and we let her go be with the Lord and that's what happened that was her that was that was her life and it was it was hard it was hard but it was also such a faith-building experience and still is I mean this only happened a few months ago the time of this posting recording it's February 21st of 2023 so this was only not even three months ago almost three months ago that she passed but and one thing that I've wrestled I've had to wrestle with because I really especially while I was pregnant I really like I prayed and I, I believe 100% and I still do this hasn't changed I believe that God heals God can heal miraculously and supernaturally he can he is able and he is willing he wants to he wants to heal us that like he Jesus came he says in John 10 10 to give life to give life to the full abundant life that's what he came for Jesus conquered sin and death on the cross but see sometimes healing happens here sometimes it's a supernatural miraculous testimony it's wonderful and that's what I was praying for and really asking the Lord for was to heal her in such a miraculous supernatural way that it would be undeniable that it was him and that particular form of healing didn't happen right she didn't she's she wasn't healed here on earth but the ultimate healing is in heaven because here on earth there's still sickness there's still pain there's still death this is a, a mortal time-bound world that's full of a lot of evil and sin still and so even when a supernatural amazing testimony healing happens here on this earth that's wonderful and amazing and praise the Lord and put and you know point all glory to him for that but that's actually not a complete healing because for people for those who are Christians this world isn't actually our home 
our bodies are eventually going to break down and die and decay. And so any healing that happens in this life is temporary. And so walking through this has really helped in a new way shift perspective to my heavenly home. Because I know that my daughter is healed. I know that she's healthy and whole and totally healed in the arms of Jesus. And that is such a wonderful, glorious hope. And walking through this and getting to the point at the end of her life here on earth where really it was watching, looking at her life and knowing, looking at the pain she was in, how hard it was for her that it really would be better for her to be with Jesus and to let her go. It's hard as a mom. It's the worst decision you ever have to make. The hardest. The hardest. Worst is the wrong word. The hardest. It is the absolutely hardest decision. But here's what's crazy. I had to make that decision in a really tangible way by literally letting her go be with Jesus. But here's the deal. I have the same level of no control over my other children's lives too. This showed me how this experience showed me how I don't, I don't have control. I don't control it. I get to help influence, I get to pray, I get to show up and do the next best thing, the next thing that the Lord's leading me to do. But I don't have, I don't get to say whether or not my children are gonna follow the Lord. I get to do everything I can, everything I can to lead them to him. But I have no control over how their life turns out, what pain they go through. I have to trust him. Just like I had to walk through into that practical day-to-day -day trust with my daughter, with faith, that he knew what was going to happen. And as I had to literally let her, literally let her go be with him, literally let her him have her. He wants that same level of, of surrender in trusting him in all areas of life. And when we get getting there is really, really peaceful. And that's what's so interesting. It's, I can share this with you. I can share this story with you. And relatively calmly, right? There were a couple of points there where there was some tearing up, but ultimately... I'm not breaking down and freaking out because I know she's with God. I know she's in heaven and I get to go see her eventually here. So what I really want to point back to 
as you hear the story of Faith and her life. My prayer is that it will encourage you and inspire you to really take a look at what you believe. Where is your hope? Where is your hope? Because you see, if my hope were in this world, if, if this is all there is, if this world, this material world that we live in is all there is, and, you know, I need to live my best life now, and this is all there is to life. Like, if this is all there is, then what I just experienced in the last year is literally the worst thing that could have happened to me. It's devastating. But, see, my hope's not here. My hope isn't here. This is the place I'm journeying through. This is the place that I'm walking through on my way to my ultimate home, my true home. This is a, this is a journey. Our life on this earth is not the end all be all. It's a journey. It's, 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 it's a journey to the end all be all, which is Christ in heaven, in the new kingdom that he's going to create, that he's going to establish. And so because that is my hope, that is my home. It's not devastating. It's painful. It is painful. But it was a, it was a see you later. I'm going to get to see her again. And so if you've lost a loved one, do you know if you're going to see them again? That's something to explore. Where is your hope? Are you placing your hope here on this earth and the things of this earth? Because if you are, it's not going to last. You're going to face some crisis, something, whether it's the loss of a job, whether it's the loss of a loved one, whether it's a natural disaster, whether it's whatever it is, you're going to face something. You're going to face a crisis and you're going to realize that whatever it is you've been placing your hope on, if it's not God, if it's not Christ, it is going to fail you. And so my prayer more than anything, as you hear the testimony of who Faith was and, and what her life was and how it's impacted me, and I'll share more about that and the things I've been learning in coming weeks and months, I'm sure, as the journey unfolds. But my prayer is that it would, call, it would encourage you to take a look and choose to put your hope in Christ because that is the only, he is the only thing that will never disappoint. He's the only thing that will give you peace even in the crappiest circumstances. I was able to walk through that with peace. I am able to walk through it with peace. Are there days that I sob and cry till there's nothing left to come out? There's no more tears. There's no more cries. Absolutely. I just did two nights ago. Because it hurts. But I don't stay there. I don't stay in the hurt. I move on to the next moment. I feel it when it comes up. 
and I move on to the next moment because I know that because I'm here that I have a purpose on this earth because God put me here and I know I'll get to see my baby again. So friends, I hope this was an encouragement to you. I hope this is a blessing to you. If you have any questions, please feel free to pop them in the comments or shoot me an email at coachamanda at amandakstout.com. I will be more than happy to either respond directly to your email with an answer to your question or depending on what the question is, do another video sharing the answer. And I hope and pray that you, that you found this encouraging, interesting, or a blessing. And if you found it encouraging or interesting in any way, please share it. Let's share this story. Let's share, share what you've learned. Have a wonderful day, and I will talk to you again sometime soon. Bye.